0: We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, marxism leninism ideology is being pumped into
1: the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump's supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every american
0: to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information no one is able to come to sensible conclusions for too long a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost
1: the racist sexist homophobic xenophobic God bless
0: Welcome to part two of learning how um, our teachers and teachers' unions are now trained Marxists. I am your host, Sherry Wilson. You have arrived at We, the Deplorables podcast, where everything that involves faith, family, and freedom is discussed to educate you, the true American patriot, the Christian believer in what is really going on in our nation and how they're trying to ruin our country. When I say they, I'm referring to the socialists, the Marxists, the elitists, the globalists, all of those people that basically think that we are smelly Walmart people. Okay, so we ended last week with some terms, you know, of the different things that you'll see on a lot of these socialist websites of which we discussed um, some of the strikes and some of the things that they are doing um, in our country. And um, I want to, uh, let's see, let me get back over into my book, Socialists Don't Sleep, And I think I read some of these quotes already, um, but let me make sure I didn't miss them from last week. Uh, Let's see here. Nope, I got them all. Okay, very good. Sorry about that, guys, but I'm like, did I talk about that? Okay, I want to now turn our attention to uh, a viral TikTok. It was featured on Fox News. From a school teacher in Iowa, of all places, named Megan Gia. I guess that's how you say her name. And uh, she goes by the name Miss Magoo on her TikTok. And uh, she's crazy. But you know what? I'm going to let you guys decide for yourselves.
1: This is what's bullshit. Today is the first time our country has recognized Juneteenth as a national holiday. And yet I'm getting ready to go back to school in the fall, and my governor has put into place some ridiculous legislation that many governors across the country have put into place, such as I can't teach anything divisive, I can't teach critical race theory, and I can't teach about racial equity. This is at all public schools, colleges, and universities. So, teachers, In the past, we've been activists. After this shit show of last year, we really need to stand up and do what's right for our kids right now. So, this is a call to action, teachers. We gotta stand up and fight for our kids because this is bullshit. We can't lie to them.
0: Okay, so let me just give you an image, and again, I'll have this uh, link in the show notes of this teacher. Uh, She looks insane. Um, She's looking around like she's in some, you know, spy movie looking for, you know, the brown coats or the KGB to come and arrest her while she's talking this nonsense. And, you know, I remember in school, in U.S. history class, uh, junior high, learning about slavery. We've never not taught slavery. We've never not taught the civil rights movement. And I remember being deeply impacted by it and by the, um, the harshness, the abuse, the, you know, ugliness of slavery, even at a young age. And I, I remember thinking, how is it that such a great country, you know— um, uh, would even allow such a thing to happen. Now, you know, later uh, learning exactly how all of it occurred, which by the way, it wasn't 1619, you know, I could see how a society would think something like that's okay because it had been hundreds of years of that being okay, but it wasn't okay. And I remember it deeply impacted me. So when they start talking about, you know, can't teach racial justice, blah, blah, um, that's a lie. Uh, It's not that they want to teach racial justice. They want to teach Marxism. But I want you to hear a few other of her um, uh, rants, okay? Here's another one. Okay, here we go.
1: The other thing that my governor has mandated for next year is that every classroom, it's mandatory that we all have an American flag, and it is mandatory that we all do the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. You're going to be hearing from me a lot next year.
0: So it appears that she hates our flag and um, the pledge of allegiance. Okay, here's another one.
1: Looks like it's time for another teachable moment. With Ms. McGoon. Critical race theory. Critical race theory is not teaching our white children that they are bad or racist. No, critical race theory is literally on whitewashing Our curriculum. It's teaching the history of this country warts and all. My posts really seem to get under your skin and I highly suggest that you stop being willfully ignorant and start educating yourself. Some great places to start would be by watching the documentary 13th, the documentary I am not your Negro, reading how to be an anti-racist, and this one might be especially important for you, reading white fragility. So until white people and especially white men start stepping up and doing their part, these systems and structures are going to stay in place. We need to tear them down.
0: Did you hear that? We need to tear them down. See that, that, guys, seriously, it is... 100% the goal of this teacher and others like her to tear the entire system down. That is Marxist uh, thought. That is what they do. That's what they want to do. Now, this is crazy. She also has a TikTok where she's got an altar and you see these weird like crystals and idols and weird symbols and stuff on her table. Let me play this one for you real quick.
1: Oh, me too. This is my altar.
0: And she's basically showing her demonic activity. Crystal balls, yeah, incense. These are
1: my ancestors and icons and people that have made an influence over my life. Let's do a little of this. It's always good. The Egyptian statuary I bought at the estate sale of one of my favorite high school teachers, and so is this incense burner, which actually came with incense from him, so I have some of him with me always. Continue my influence as a teacher. Whoopsie. Crystal grid I made for my Crohn's disease pain. Yeah, I I definitely like the shiny stuff. Oh, oh my gosh, all my witchy, the rest of it. Yep.
0: So again, I'm going to have the link in the show notes so you can see how um, basically demonic, um, demonically influenced this lady is, okay? So she's basically a self-declared activist. It's upset about the American flag being in her room, that she has to say the Pledge of Allegiance, that um, obviously she's bought into the lie of uh, critical race theory or CRT, and she's a witch. And she's teaching your children in Des Moines, Iowa. Now, are all teachers socialists? No. But it doesn't take long for them to be sifted out uh, through intimidation and attack. So uh, let me quote you right here. Um, let's see. Sadly, the good teachers soon enough catch on and get sifted. They suffer in silence, patiently awaiting retirement, or quiet, or quit for more fruitful pastures. Either way, along the way, they're treated to the socialist special attack and intimidate. So there is um, this kid. uh, Well, I say a kid. He's 24 years old. So to me, he's a kid. But in West Virginia, the strikes across the country, it sparked a movement called the Red for Ed movement by the 24-year-old music teacher from Arizona named Noah Corvellis. Now, red, by the way, is a favorite color for socialists, Marxists, communists, and leftists. So here's some of his beliefs in a tweet, which he um, cleaned a lot of his tweets. uh, But uh, just recently, uh, he uh, tweeted, emphasize gun control, emphasize toxic, violent masculinity, emphasize whiteness, white supremacy. Okay, Uh, so he's obviously um, a socialist, And the California Policy Center, I thought was interesting, they were talking about him and how much he is a um, socialist from Arizona, and he is basically, you know, calling for class warfare, and his own words are ripped from the Communist Manifesto, quote, realizing the power of the proletariat, the ruling class, to borrow Marxist terms, has completely attempted to extinguish the potential for a working class revolution, Um, it's, you know, again, here we have this red for ed that is a clearly Marxist left-wing socialist movement. And it didn't have much influence until 2019 when it was co-opted by teachers unions. Okay. So the original, um, you know, form of red for ed may have been grassroots. Now it's big union. And, you know, you've got people that, you know, join these groups. They they um, throw big money at them, and that's how they start gaining the momentum, and they have um, the backing of the media, which is basically the propaganda um, propaganda arm of the Democrat Socialist Party. Okay, so this stuff, guys, is everywhere, and. The National Education Association, one of the main unions for teachers, ran with the Red for Ed. So in researching for this podcast, I decided to go to the NEA's website to check it out. Here's some of the stuff from their advocating for change that should now be a clue of their socialist agenda. So, advocating for change. They have the red banner at the front because, again, that's what they like to do. And they have, you know, Educating Through Crisis because of COVID-19. They've got Racial and Social Justice. Um, If you click on that, then it goes into all of their, you know, um, social justice, et cetera, et cetera stuff. But I went to Resource Library, and they have, you know, different articles, but they also have Recommended Reading one of the books is After the Rain, um, which basically pulls a girl into the world of Igbo spirits. You have the two border towns, which gets into the refugee families. You have uh, Zonia's rainforest, um, where you know it's being torn down and destroyed. You have the girl and the ghost, which is a twelve-year-old Malaysian girl who inherits her uh, grandmother's pelicet and becomes best friends with a ghostly demon. Um, you have, uh, you know, colonists, you've got the lenient sentence. auto worker, Ronald Evans, and his stepmom Michael Nitz, both white receive, uh, for killing Chinese American Vincent Chin in Detroit, 1982, that spurs outrage. You've got living beyond, uh, the borders. It goes into all of that. Um, I mean, you got the last night at the Telegraph, uh, club, which is, you know, basically a San Franciscan lesbian bar where they explore their sexuality and their relationship. Uh, These two uh, friends that are white. Um, I mean, it goes on and on and on with this crap. I mean, it is crap that they are recommending people to read. But remember, that's how they did it. They had book groups and they'd get together and they'd discuss them and brainstorm Uh, They have a support BLM link right on their website. And again, they have these ridiculous books. I also went to the American Federation of Teachers website, which is the other large union. And the front page, home page of the website is a picture of the George Floyd uh, mural, which by the way, lightning struck and destroyed the other day. Uh, So that's a clear message right there. The president has been on TV quite a bit. Her name is Randy Weingarten. She's open, lesbian, with a wife. Um, She's a typical leftist that you would expect. You know, she thinks that the recent voting law changes are restrictive. Trump was a loser. Bigger government's always better. Supports BLM, open borders, and screams democracy, which again is uh, mob rule. But she's also turned into an extremely powerful voice during COVID. She's the main reason schools are closed, why kids have to wear masks, and is ready to take on anyone who is against uh, critical race theory. So let me play this uh, little clip here. Mark my words. Our union will defend any member who gets in trouble for teaching honest history. We have a legal defense fund ready to go. Teaching the truth is not radical or wrong distorting history, and threatening educators for teaching the truth is what is truly radical and wrong. Mm. Now, if you see this lady saying these things, she looks insane. I mean, she literally looks like she is um, demonically manifesting. But, you know, here we have this clip where she's saying that, uh, you know, we are going to teach critical race theory. Now, listen to this. This is the same speech at the same event.
1: Be clear. Critical race theory is not taught in elementary
0: schools or middle schools or high schools. It's a method of examination taught in law school and in college. Okay, wait, I thought you said that you have an army of lawyers and lots of money to support your perceived right to teach. Critical race theory, which is basically history. Hmm, It's very interesting. Which is it? And then also, I want you to hear her role in the school closures. This is from uh, the New York Post, which often gets banned on places like um, uh, Twitter, etc. Uh, don't let Randy Weingarten whitewash her role in school closures. This is uh, from Carol Markowitz. And she says, If your child didn't attend school regularly last year, Randy Weingarten is likely the reason why. No wonder why the American Federation of Teachers boss has launched a soft-focus rehabilitation campaign in the media. Her PR people are working overtime to make us forget that no single public actor has done more to hurt kids and education overall in the last year. Last week, the Washington Post ran an adoring interview with Weingarten, the latest in a string of carefully placed pieces and friendly outlets aimed at fixing her shattered reputation. Here she is taking a strong stand. There she is calling for the reopening of all classrooms next year. It's glass lining, and the record must be set straight. Last September, as schools across the country were trying to open, Weingarten could be counted on to pose any such move. Quote, if community spread is too high, if you don't have the infrastructure of testing, and if you don't have the safeguards that prevent the spread of viruses in the school, we believe that you cannot reopen in person. It was nonsense. Other countries had long opened their schools by that point, and we had real-world models for making in-person school work. Schools in Europe had opened without masking, without social distancing, with no infrastructure of testing. The Europeans put kids first resting safe on scientific evidence that kids are at minuscule risk from the virus and spread at a much lower rate than do adults. Weingarten has determined to put kids last. In February, when the CDC uh, was finally going to issue guidance urging full reopening of in-person schooling, the AFT successfully lobbied for language that kept schools closed. And, you know, I wouldn't be really surprised to learn that they're also what was behind the recent CDC announcement that children will still have to keep wearing masks. In February, or I'm sorry, the next month when the CDC finally did the same thing and changed its social distancing guidelines from three feet to uh, for, uh, schools to three feet from six, um, Weingarten wrote a letter questioning the change and demanded yet more safety concessions. Weingarten's local Underbar's boss, Mike Milton, Mulgrew uh, followed her anti-child lead lockstep through the pandemic. Parental anti-union rage is naturally at a fever pitch, and the Prestige Press is here to help Weingarten tamp it down. With headlines like this one from Politico in May, the Biden campaign and teachers unions are mounting a campaign to return American children to classrooms five days a week. But American children living in areas not under the union thumb were already largely in classrooms Five days a week. Even in blue cities and states, parochial and private schools manage just fine. When challenged about success stories such as Florida, where Governor Ron DeSantis resisted union bullying and made sure schools across the state opted opened for full-time learning, Weingarten regurgitated the oft-debunked conspiracy theory about the Sunshine State somehow hiding its real COVID data. Uh, Biden administration, too, is predictively backing Weingarten's efforts to whitewash her stained image, First Lady Jill Biden, Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, both tweet supported, uh, tweeted support at Weingarten, pretending she hasn't been the one blocking the schoolhouse door. But is Team Biden really sure Weingarten deserves report, uh, support? Who can forget her interview with t- uh, Jewish Telegraphic Agency in March, in which Weingarten lied that virtually every school district in New York State and Connecticut is reopened. Many of them have reopened in New Jersey. In fact. Gotham Middle and high schools ended the year still mostly closed, while elementary schools would only open full-time at the end of April, weeks after the interview. Several districts in New Jersey didn't open for in-person school that year at all. Okay, so when she was asked in the same interview, um, you know, dared to be questioned, Weingarten took aim at Jews who dared question why schools were still closed. Weingarten called them the, quote, owner of ship class casual marxism with bizarre anti-semitic undertones make it into classrooms it's difficult to see where it originates weingarten should be held and remembered in odium a craven bureaucratic monster who did everything within her power to keep schools closed science and kids be damned very interesting throughout the ownership class so she's clearly a marxist isn't it fascinating does it make sense why everything is so screwed up right now in schools? I mean, it's amazing. She's not left enough, though. Um, because of the fact that she does want to start opening up schools again, probably because of pressure only. Um, the uh, Let me get the website here. I was reading some of their stuff. These people are the World Socialist website. They don't really like her too much. So if you do a cursory search of her, you find she's just not left enough. Okay? But she is left enough to promote critical race theory and other far-left agendas that have turned schools into indoctrination institutes. How did this happen? All right, it's now time to visit Mr. John Dewey, considered the father of modern education, to finish up this two-part on teachers being Marxists, not all of them, of course, And I want to give you some background on John Dewey. And again, American Marxism is a book where I'm getting this information from. Okay, so he says, Even more prolific and prominent than Crawley, John Dewey's, he was from 1859 to 1952, role in drastically altering the traditional purposes of education into a social activism movement is manifest throughout education today. Dewey acknowledged and approved of Marxism's influence on and relationship to the progressive movement. Quote, the issue which Marx raised, the relation of economic structure to political, is one that actively persists. Indeed, it forms the only basis of present political questions. We are for some kind of socialism, call it by whatever name we please, and no matter what it will be called when it's realized. Economic determinism, Marx's theories of economic class struggle between, among others, the capitalist and the proletariat, which is the common worker, is now a fact, not a theory. But there's a difference in a choice between a blind, chaotic, and unplanned determinism issuing from business conducted for pecuniary profit and the determination of a socially planned and ordered development is a difference in the choice between a socialism that is public and one that is capitalistic. Now, capitalism is a spontaneous form of commerce, arising from individuals who voluntarily enter into an economic relationship, okay? So it's not some planned economic system imposed upon the people by a government. For Dewey and all of his colleagues, that's the problem. Authority, social engineering, grandiose plans, etc. can only work if imposed on the population, which requires usurping the very foundation of America's purpose, Constitutionalism and capitalism limit the role or possibility of a centralized authoritarian um, authoritarianism and conversely empower the individual within the framework of a civil society. As such, they are utterly incompatible with Marxism, Marxism's offspring, which is called progressivism, which seek the widest latitude over the development and future state of society. The party controls the government and the government controls the society. There's little room for philosophical or political diversity. Um, Dewey argued, as Marx had, that the nation's youth must be freed from existing mores, values, belief systems, traditions, customs, and the like through public education and made ready for another sort of programming. And why not? The classroom provides a captive audience of millions of children a perfect setting for Marx's oriented indoctrination. Dewey, like his intellectual spears, described this as applying science and reasoning. He wrote, under the influence of conditions created by the non-existence of experimental science, experience was opposed in all the ruling philosophies of the past to reason and the truly rationale. Empirical knowledge meant the knowledge accumulated by a multitude of past instances without intelligence, insight into the principles of any of them. Science is experience becoming rational. The effect of science is thus to change man's idea of the nature inherent possibilities of experience. It aims to free an experience from all which is purely personal and strictly immediate, blah, 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 blah. So here's what he's saying. Dewey sought to relinquish what is and what has been for an ideology disguised as science and reason. Okay, so the arrogance of the progressives is amazing. It's boundless. So, to be clear, people of tradition, faith, and custom do not reject science or reason, but they do worship them, but they do not worship them. They have learned and experienced the value of eternal truths and past wisdom, including from the ancients, which reflects the basis of America's founding as concisely set forth in the Declaration of Independence. Like Rousseau, Dewey framed his educational approach as both opening the student's mind and insisting on his obedience, or more accurately stated, opening the mind to surrender to indoctrination and conformity. So, in other words, there's no such thing as science. Is that interesting? So here's the founding fathers of American progressive movement who have lectured about science and reason, praising the forced brainwashing of the Russian population by the brutal regime of communist dictator Joseph Stalin. Here's what happened. Dewey was an early fan of the Soviet Union and its, quote, educational system, or we could call it Propaganda. So in December, um, he visited the communist regime, and he wrote about it in December of 1928 in the New Republic, that in the transitional state of Russia, and most communist uh, communist regimes are always in transition, chief signi- significance attaches to the mental and moral change that's taking place, that while in the end, this transformation is supposed to be a means to economic and political change, for the present it's the other way around. The consideration is equivalent to saying that the import of all institutions is educational in the broad sense. That of their efforts upon disposition, and attitude, their functions create habits, so that persons will act cooperatively and collectively as readily as now in capitalist countries they act individualistically. Ah, huh, collectively! Do you see that? Oh my word! It's amazing! It's amazing! Amazing! Um, he talked about how they needed to use the schools basically to indoctrinate our children. Um, that it was a way to take diffuse and roundabout manners of indoctrination and concentrate them uh, very effectively. Um, he sits an ideological arm of the revolution. There's that word. Uh, so the objective is to control the schools and the curriculum, control the teachers and the classroom, and you will in time control the minds and hearts of the population. And that's where the media propaganda, Marxist-based ideologies uh, such as critical race theory are so important. During the transitional regime, wrote Dewey, the school cannot count upon the larger education to create in any single and wholeheartedly way the required collective and cooperative mentality. The traditional customs and institutions of the peasant, his small tracts, his three-system farming, the influence of home and church, all work automatically to create in him an individualistic ideology." In spite of the greater inclination of the city worker towards collectivism, even a social environment works adversely in many respects. Hence, the great task of the school is to counteract and transform those domestic and neighborhood tendencies that are still so strong, even in a nominally collectivist regime. Wow. Going to church, working your peasant farm, your three tracks, is a danger to uh, Marxism in this country. Now, it's extraordinary, blunt, um, you know, the collective, cooperative mentality, the peasant farm, etc. Marx would have been proud. In 1932, about four years after the publication of his article, Stalin targeted the Ukrainian population, especially the peasant farmers, for extinction through a campaign of massive and ruthless starvation because they would not surrender their, quote, small tracts of land to the communist regime and would not buckle to Stalin's collectivism. Millions lost their lives amazing many parents who send their children to government mandated schools and later voluntarily support their children's attendance at schools of higher learning hoping they will improve their uh, future job opportunities in society post-education are often appalled to see the transformation of their children from what they were raised to believe as part of a family to what they have been indoctrinated to believe as part of a third world or third party indoctrination effort and ideological movement goes on and on on and on so, this is what's going on. So, from the start, Dewey, the founding father of our public school system, was a Marxist. He admired the communist regime. Uh, he went there, studied it, wrote about it. And so, since Dewey, teachers and teachers' unions are growing louder in their socialist views because they have a lot of backing. You know, again, from big corporation media and even the current president, the vice president and Democrats. And they did it so easily by, quote, we formed a reading group, held brainstorming sessions, and quickly agreed that winning our demands uh, could require militant action. They had organic connections to their co-workers and were, quote, able to alter the direction of the movement within. Socialists should take jobs as teachers and other school-based workers for the political, economic, and social potential the industry holds. Let me again read from the DSA website. Knowing that two-thirds of our students rely on free and reduced-cost lunch, teachers spent the weeks leading up to the strike, making calls to local churches, food banks, community organizations, food distribution sites. Parents reacted by joining us on the picket lines, making calls to legislators and shutting down conservative attacks against, quote, selfish teachers. Local businesses responding by bringing food and coffee to the Capitol and picket lines. Faith leaders sent out messages of support. Why? Why? Why would they do this? They're either ignorant, again, of what's really happening. Maybe they still see teachers as they were when they were growing up, or maybe they agree with their politics. And what's sad is that a lot of these groups are doing what we're supposed to be doing as Christ followers. They have taken the playbook, the Bible, and applied those things, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and it's effective. It's effective. Don't forget this, quote, organizing by uh, for West Virginia. Quote, but when we saw how frustrated people were with the changes, my friend Emily and I decided to open it up to public employee, employees. We pushed it and tried to organize through the Facebook group. We had a goal of 1,000 people, and here by the end of January, they had 20,000. Here we have, so we called a meeting, and a church a few blocks away let us use your sanctuary. There were hundreds of people there. Teachers started standing up and saying to the unions, we want to take a vote about when we go back. You didn't ask us, you just told us, and that's not how it's going to work. In churches, I mean, it reminds me of the BLM chick doing a, a witchcraft ceremony of libation and calling forth the dead in a Methodist church. Marxism, guys, is antichrist. Marxists cannot have faith in God. They only have faith in the cause. So all of this is a foundation of how we got here. And that's why um, I wanted to talk about this before we dive into critical race theory and the hostile nature of teachers and teachers' unions, the indoctrination of our children. We're going to get into all of that. But I want to say not all teachers are Marxists. But guys, the system is. And we better stand up and do something. So let me give you some action steps. Follow the pattern they used. Reading group, brainstorming sessions, working from within, churches and local businesses supporting, and Facebook groups are effective. Like, you know, one of the things that's important to realize is that old way of doing missions is being revamped and it really needs to be revamped. Because the dominant people that are missionaries are white folks that go into non-white communities, Africa, you know, S- Central, South America, etc. And they spend decades trying to build trust and a relationship with the people that live there. And I'll never forget I heard um, my friend, they were part of this ministry in India where instead of them going into India as strangers and trying to take a nation, They decided that their best plan was to to actually be apostolic and train the indigenous to go reach their own people. And it worked fabulously. If you talk to, like, let's say, for example, Hispanics, Mexicans that went through the legal system to become American citizens, who, by the way, they probably know more about our history and our constitution than most of the children that come out of college. If you talk to them, a lot of them are very, very upset with what is going on at the border, because it puts their livelihood, their jobs at risk. Why not equip them on how to reach their communities? Why not go to Catholics and say, hey, why do you keep voting for Democrats that believe in butchering babies? Do you know they believe in butchering babies? Let's have a discussion, equip and train them to go into the Catholic community. That is brilliant. That is important. So, we're going to dive into even um, more things that you can do later, but maybe start with these suggestions and see what Holy Spirit does. So, let's end this um, two parter with um, some good news. Published two days ago Hero Granny catches baby who dangled, fell uh, 15 feet from the window. So, this is crazy. It's over in um, Russia. Svetlana uh, Sanarova, I just butchered that. My apologies, she's 64. She was walking home from a supermarket in a Russian city, that I cannot pronounce, on um, July 21st. And out of the corner of her eye, she saw this toddler clinging to a second floor window. So she dropped her bags, she rushed to the window with her arms out, and she arrived just in the nick of time. The boy fell 15 feet, his name's Igor. She caught him. And Igor's father, Dimitri, he's 27, he ran down to get his son after she was able to save her life. Um, she said, I thought if I didn't catch him, he would crash before my eyes. I needed to run and catch or it would be much worse. He turned out to be rather heavy, but I did not think about the risk at the moment. Now, the dad thanked her, but he didn't ask for her name. So she left the scene. Um, it took six days until she was identified and they um, honored her, the authorities, after many posts on social media uh, looking for her. So what happened is the father of the baby um, thought his wife was looking after the boy, but she had actually gone to get a bottle for the, their other kiddo. So the couple, they have like a four-year-old daughter and 18-month-old twins, and it was the boy who fell. So in a return for her act, Um, They gave her $13.50 and $0.56 in American money, but she refused to accept it. She said, that offended me. I don't need it. I don't think uh, about any risk, she said. I was only afraid that he would die. And then I worried about what happened to him until I read the newspaper. They got away with only a few minor bruises. All right, guys. So that's the end of today's uh, part two episode. Um, I'm going to start diving into Critical Race Theory next. So until then, what is God showing you that you can do? For Pete's sake, please don't support socialists. See you next time. Hey guys, it's me again. I forgot to do recommended reading. Mark Levin, American Marxism. Highly recommend it.